proudest day, and the proudest time, and the, the seat of a relic here. Because that day, and that hour, and those minutes, I got the butt between my teeth. You know, I really stood up and was counted and said, this is not getting away. I remember when we pulled on our helmets, and, and, and Donald says to me, what are we doing? I said, we're going for gold, Barrett. That's all we said. I can still picture that run. That was just the best, best run ever. Welcome along to Crunching Gears, the Rally Podcast, Season 3, Episode 11. Uh, once again, we're going to talk rallying, but not just rallying, World Championship rallying. Connor, Sweden last weekend, great rally. Oh, listen, it was fantastic to watch. We had everything. We had, you know, proper snow event, uh, well-run event with great coverage uh, and exciting battles the whole way through. And we even had WRC2 cars leading at one point. Yeah, look, our special guest host once again, Luke Murray. Look, um, uh, from an outside looking in, it just seemed to be, we've always wanted, a, you know, a great snow rally over the last few years. We, we've had gravel and, you know, supposedly snow, but like Friday delivered in spades. First off, I just want to thank you for having me back on and apologies to the listeners because they seem to keep inviting me back. So I seem to keep finding <laughs> myself back here. So sorry, everyone. Um, but yeah, it was Friday was one of those days that I think reminds you of why rallying can be really just so special and exciting because there were so many things and different factors at play. Like the heavy snow that, that happened made the stages particularly difficult. I mean, they're always difficult if running at the head of the field, but really difficult for those guys this year. As as Connor said, those rally two cars winning stages overall was it's how incredible it all was. Yeah, there, there was plenty that were caught out. I think there was one stage that claimed both world champions in the main field. So yeah, it was a certainly a very interesting day, very dramatic. And the kind of day that as I said it, it makes you realize why Rallying is kind of like no other display of motorsport, really. Yeah, and like our own uh, Aaron Johnson sitting along with Takamoto, like point something of a second off the lead at the end of, the, you know, well, officially day two. Um, like we thought, oh my God, did we dare to dream? Like, unfortunately, it went wrong on Saturday morning, but like Taka drove a fantastic rally on on the, on the uh, on Friday. Like, and, and as you saw, said there, really difficult conditions. But, I, you know, he really did seem to turn it a corner in Japan. And if we could just now get the result and just finally get that monkey off his back, I think Taka could really bounce on. Yeah, I think it's very clear that Taka is a, a rally winner in waiting. Like he's 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 demonstrated now that he's got the speed to do it. As you said, I guess the sad thing for him is he's had he's been close, but he's never managed to quite get it across the line. What happened on Saturday was just really, really unfortunate. It's a mistake that caught out so many other people. As I said, it's, it's world champion teammate Robin Pear, who we all expect to dominate the weekend. Oit Tanak, who was going well, a, a two-time winner in Sweden, he was caught out. So it's so easy. You take one corner slightly too quickly and there's there's kind of no going back. As soon as you've you've lost it, the snowbank wins. You're not going to enough speed. So, yeah, it, it was a big shame because he definitely had huge potential and all he was taking time out of lapping in the morning it all things seemed to be going going his way but unfortunately didn't quite manage to, to get it across the line i guess the thing that we all just hope now is that taka feels ready and recovers from from that because he did look like i wasn't there in the service park but i know people that were and they said it was really hard to sit there with him in on sassy when he was sort of going through what happened because he was clearly very emotional about it he, he takes these things really personally like he felt like he let the team down and it's a horrible side of this sport, isn't it? It's the side that no one really wants to see. Like, 
everybody can can tell how much this means to him. Um, and unfortunately, he just didn't quite go his way this time. But I'm more than sure that it will cover itself and he'll be back on top form very soon. That's for sure. And like Connor, like, you know, Lappe, you know, we know how good Lappe is. We know we've seen him over here in the Circuit Ireland back in the S2000 days. And it's fantastic to see him getting his second one that's been seven years now since his last one, 2017, Finland. Uh, it's unbelievable that such a, a gap between them because he, like, I think Lappe, if he had got the right breaks, he could have been a world champion. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, it was unfortunate. He he probably was getting into that position with Citroen and then the whole thing fell apart and he didn't get the chance to have that drive when they decided to pull the plug when OG left. Um, so that kind of scuppered his chances, put him back to square one. They had to, you know, fight for seats again. We saw last year, you know, he was leading rallies. Mexico was one of those with, again, just an unfortunate accident. And it was great to see him with a steady approach he played the game really well, took advantage of his road position, but kept the head. He didn't get sucked into the battles. He watched what was happening around him and he took advantage of it. Yeah, look, you know, we've seen sometimes, uh, uh, sometimes the head can go down a wee bit, but he really seemed to be enjoying it and just very relaxed approach last weekend too. I think this part-time programme for him was a, a genius move from for both him and the team, because from, from what I can tell, it was... It was a lappy decision. Obviously, Hyundai had to give the blessing. I think it's possibly what they would have given him anyway. But it was a decision that Lappy himself certainly wanted. You'll see some drivers go to part-time campaigns and they're kind of they're seeing that as an opportunity to build up more rallies. But he wants to be effectively at home more with his family, um, which is really credible, actually. And it's really nice to see how honest and open he's been about that. And I think when he arrived in Umeå last week, you could see that he was just relaxed. There wasn't any stress. Like, he didn't have to worry about certain things. He knew what his job was. It was to be the rear gunner to Neville and Tanak with his good robes just he found himself ahead of them. And then when Tack went out the way, he found himself over a minute in front. And that is the worst situation to be in as a driver because all you can do then is lose it. But he kept his head, did the job and, and yeah, quite quite incredible. I think there was a lot that were maybe wondering if that second win would, would ever come. We all knew he was good enough, but it was just whether it was actually going to, to happen. But back then I saw a full head of hair. So that's how much has changed. <laughs> That time, and the one of the you know, uh, you know, them two, yeah, you know, Taika and Lappy, stars of the rally, but the uh, undoubted head and shoulders above everybody else for Mo. Like, we've seen what they come back and done in the BRC last year and got his confidence back, got his mojo back, but like, he, I don't think he put a foot wrong last weekend. Sweden, uh, look, he just. He's really stepped up to the mark this year. Really good run, Monte Carlo, Sweden. He's doing things with that Puma that we didn't think was possible. Yeah, I think we all sensed that he was ready again for this chance. He himself has been quite open there in retrospect that 2022 was essentially too early for the chance that that he got. He just wasn't quite ready, wasn't quite complete. I think he made too good an impression, almost as weird as it sounds, on his debut in 21 when he got that chance in the WRC car as it was then. And it was almost a bit of a rush process, but he's he's gone back to, to Rally 2. He took that really well. He, he's extracted everything he had to. He's learned how to build a rally, how to manage his pace, how to sort of set realistic targets rather than trying to chase and be the fastest from the off. Because as much as you've got guys like Robin Perra now who are only 23 and they're defying logic, you still need solid experience of rallies before you can start pushing on to try and challenge for wins. And I think maybe Four Will will was just trying too hard. He wasn't patient enough. Whereas now, completely different driver. 
I think the driver that we all knew he could be, but now it's great to see that he's become that. As you say, I think the really impressive thing for, for me in Sweden was obviously the result in itself, but the fact he was able to hold back Evans on Saturday afternoon, like he was losing time, but it was negligible. He did what he had to do to beat Elvin, a, a title contender, a former Sweden winner on merit to that place. And a rally where nobody really expected either of the M-Sport drivers, to be fair, to, to go well. So, yeah, I think it's a hugely impressive result. We're not meant to feel things for drivers as journalists like I am, but I was really happy for him. I couldn't really hide it. Like, I think it was just such a nice redemption moment for him. Um, so, yeah, I agree. As much as, as Lappy was impressive, I think Forma was the start of the rally. Yeah, Connor, we got an opportunity last year before the Ulster to get, you know, sort of a wee bit closer away to attend the pre-event test in the Ulster, just to see, you know, for more at work, how many school driver. And like they were meticulous in their their work effort effort that day. You know they went through everything. They you know they, they you know they tested and tested and changed things. And it, it's nice to see the rewards coming back to him. Absolutely, and like he put a lot of work in, and we can see you know this year the results of the of the, the WRC two Fiesta and how strong it is. And again, a lot of that is down to the work that Adrian put in last year and developing that car and continuing to develop that car. And it was great to see, you know, it's paid off. It's settled him. He's come back. And what I'm actually impressed with, he's jumped back in to the Rally 1 and, you know, been pretty much on song straight away with the hybrid system. Like we, we, we saw in Monte Carlo that Mickelson struggled to adjust to style of driving to, to match the hybrid and the, the regen braking and everything. Yet um, Adrian just seems to just naturally fit into that car again. And it's... He, it's the level-headedness he's driving with. Monte Carlo, he came home not a scratch in that car. Sweden, not a scratch in that car. And as Luke said, he battled on on the on the, the Friday and the Saturday, kept his position, but he had enough cop on when it came to the Sunday and he realised Evans is going to go for points. I'm not going to get in that fight. I'm going to keep a safe podium and, and go for third and defend it. And he did all very calm, cool and collected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's you know I remember saying at the time of Ulster, I think this is a world champion in the making, and I do stand by that. I think you know if he gets the right breaks and you know everyone just obviously you need a rub of the green with uh, with everyone in rallying, but I do think he is uh, there's something very special about Formo. Listen, if if he keeps developing the way he's developing, absolutely. Like I, I'm genuinely blown away by the two performances this year so far in the WRC. Genuinely, I'm like I thought he had a good year last year, but I'm I'm just genuinely mega impressed by the, what he's achieved in, in the two events with the pressure, and especially in Sweden. Like last year, M Sport won that with Tanak driving the Puma, so there had to be that pressure. Maybe not said, but it had to be hanging around and he had to be aware of it, uh, you know. So he he rose to the challenge. Mm-hmm. For sure, well, for if sure. I can just quickly as well, do you know what's interesting now is obviously these two performances he's had are good enough for him to be third in the table, which is ahead of a certain driver that did drive that car last year. Yeah. So I think, now I'm not going to try and suggest that I think Foma will beat Tanak in the championship this year. It's quite unlikely, but I suspect there's a few in M-Sport that are quietly sort of quite pleased about that. It's it's a nice little sort of, I don't know what the right word is, but do you know what I mean? It, it's certainly beyond the expectation. I don't think anybody saw that mm-hmm. that coming. Um, I'm, I'm with Connor. I think, yes, last year was impressive. We all kind of thought, yes, he probably is ready for this step, but he's he's blowing any questions out of the weeds already. Um, so yeah, it can only really get better from here, I guess, can't it? Yeah, for sure. And then Neville and Evans, you know, the, the guys, the big point scorers from uh, from Monte Carlo, 
you know, both of them drove, like, considering starting first and second on the road on, uh, you know, Thursday night, Friday morning, no, you know, the, probably the worst conditions on the road. The, you know, the, they drove championship one and rallies, I suppose, maybe might be the best way of putting it. They made the, the best out of the, the worst situation. Absolutely. And and just before we get into that, um, you know, we, we talked earlier about everything that Sweden delivered and give us this year. It also give us a bit of that old school skullduggery as well. With, we have, you know, between Evans and Neville. Was there a, you know, a, a, a petrol issue? Was there not a petrol issue, you know, with, with regard to the car? Although at the same time, you know, Neville had a, a, a four minute, you know, delay or a 40 second penalty getting off the time control. So it does seem legit. But it was just funny that the first reaction that, that Elvin had was, oh, they're they're playing games or up to something because the, the road position was vital and it really did hamper both of them. Um, what do you call it? With, with Neville, basically the snowplow for, for everybody coming behind him. Um, so I suppose Elvin felt a bit hard done by that he suddenly found himself in that position. I'll be honest with this. Actually, if I can just come in. My initial hunch was similar to Elvin's. To be honest, I, that's kind of what I wondered if was happening. I actually do believe there was a problem. I've heard enough and I've seen enough of how, I guess, passionate Neville was in his defence and there's evidence, or second-hand evidence, I've not seen it myself, but of, of seeing problems happening at other points during the weekend. So I do think it was a problem. But the undeniable thing is it did hamper Evans. Now, I, mm. I've not sat and done the maths and worked it out, but... I'm quite sure that had Evans not had to run first in the road on Friday, he would have got second on Saturday. So that's that's two points he's lost. Neville's championship lead is three. So you can see the importance of this kind of stuff. Um, now, I'm not, again, this is not me trying to suggest that they've done it on purpose, mm -hmm. but if it, well, yeah, it, it's actually worked in their favour in a strange way. Like, yeah, you're right, it caused Thierry, but he was already kind of out of the fight with the guys anyway. So those... 40 seconds weren't as important to him as the time Evans lost being first on the road was. So it's interesting. I do like a bit of needle between title <laughs> contenders and making gets it. Yeah. And like, you know, we, we were making the, we were trumpeting the return of the champ, you know, and like, it was all over nearly almost before it began. It was like himself and Tannock went out, was it stage three or four? Oh. And like, it was like, it was so disappointing. You know, we were ready for the fireworks and they never really materialised. No, what do you call it? Uh, you know, I, I suppose the super special on Friday or sorry, Thursday night, um, Callie won it and the, the immediate reaction was, OK, yeah, he's back. He's just going to take this event. And it was the shock that Tannock went like, wow, he's gone. And next thing, Callie was out the same stage. Like it was a bit of a wow, what's, what's going to happen next? And and like look, that opened the door up for, you know, the likes of Young Solberg and, you know, the other guys in the rally too. Suddenly, you know, the, the top of the timesheets, uh, you said, you know, the, the thing we love about rallying is the unpredictability. <laughs> the, the, definitely Friday was unpredictable. <laughs> yeah, I think obviously Georg Winnemar got the stage win and, and huge congratulations to him and James Morgan for, for doing that. But a little part of me did just feel for, for Oliver because as weird as it is to say, he still never won a stage in the WRC. And I think that's one of those stats that's quite hard to actually understand in a way. I know he spent quite a lot of years not necessarily in a top-class car, and when he did, things weren't exactly ideal at that team. But still, it's it's quite a weird one. And he was so close to getting it in the, the craziest of circumstances. But to be third overall after Friday was nuts. Like, I'm pretty sure that's the first time it's ever been the case for a Rally 2 car. I think it was the last time a Solberg had been there for 12 years. I think Petter was 2012, wasn't he? So that was quite cool. 
Um, but yeah, end up getting fifth overall in itself. Even that is is mental. Yeah. And I think a really probably underrated performance in that category actually because there was a massive herd of Toyotas that were all going very quickly. And we'd seen how good they were in the the Arctic Rally a couple of weeks before. So yeah, I think it was a a very mature and impressive drive. There was not too much to say about how he drove, and I guess that's the biggest compliment you can give him. There was no hairy moments, nothing scary. I know there's people that will turn around to say that he has to sort of win that rally because it's where he's grown up, it's his home event, but he still did it. As we've been talking about Robin Perra, that everybody expected him to win, and he didn't manage to get through without, mm-hmm. without issues. So making the finish, it's an old cliche, but to win, you, you have to do that first. And yeah, yeah and I we, think- we, we always see like home pressure brings its own... You know, a different kind of a pressure as well and we've seen drivers you know crease under that pressure before too so to do it in such a level-headed fashion really speaks volumes of young oliver as well that's it i i just really kind of wish we could have seen what he would have done in a rally one car because part of me has a feeling he could have been very very competitive um given how good he was it's three years ago now when he got that unexpected chance in the Hind by World Rally Car in 21 Finland Arctic. So <laughs> I struggle to think that Solberg isn't a better driver now than he was then. Um, on stages that he loves and that he knows, it would have been interesting to see that for sure. But hopefully it won't be too long until he's in one of those cars. I, I wonder how many WRC team managers are, after watching that result, are wondering, hmm, why did we not sign him for this year? <laughs> <laughs> And so, Connor, you got a chance to speak to Aaron Johnson when he was just home from Sweden and getting his thoughts on how he felt the weekend went for them. Yeah, it was lovely to catch up with Aaron. And again, thanks to Aaron for taking the time. Uh, as, as usual, when we catch him, he's literally stepped off the plane and just in, in the door at home. So uh, it was lovely just to hear his thoughts how the weekend went. Aaron, thanks for joining us back home for a few days after a fairly tough Swedish rally. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on again, Connor. It's well, it's nice to chat to you guys at Crunching Gears. Yes, home for actually about three weeks now. Um, we have a considerable break uh, up until round three in Kenya. Uh, obviously, with not going to Mexico this year, uh, it means that we have an extra bit of time. And uh, with the way that Kenya now has, has moved forward to its traditional uh, Easter weekend date, let's say, it means that there is a bit of a break obviously between round one and two which are sort of winter events uh waiting on the spring but at the same time maybe the weather in kenya won't resemble the ideal spring conditions but we'll have to see how that plays out over the next couple of weeks too and and looking back at sweden get off to great start tack always seems to go well in, in those snowy icy conditions he just seems to have a you know a feel or a natural enjoyment maybe for for those type of stages yeah um, you second overall going into friday fairly tough day friday i mean the weather conditions looked atrocious was it much different even to when you'd done the recce uh with a winter rally you know the road always looks different even though uh you know, the stages remain the same from year to year. Um, but with what we were faced with on Friday afternoon with, I think it was seven or eight centimetres of snow uh, over the couple of hours, it, it was a really demanding and, and difficult loop. Uh, it was very clear to see with every passing car how much the times improved. And uh, for us being fifth and an EP being last on the road it it meant that we really had to to push as hard as we physically could to 
to try to not let them run away with it and and still be in the fight for the rest of the weekend. And uh, I think with the times that we did set and the minimal time loss that we did have on on Friday afternoon, it was a really strong showing from Taka and. Uh, and we did everything that we could to to keep the battle going, and it was enjoyable. Okay, it was very difficult, and let's say you could almost describe it like aquaplaning on on snow, uh, with regards instead of water. But uh, yeah, uh, tag always goes well in the snow. I guess uh, from this program started when he moved to Finland six years ago. Now, uh, obviously, with the hard winters over there and. And how forgiving the snow is, there was a lot of preparation done on this surface with him and the instructors from the very beginning. So for me, it's also still one of my favorite services. Okay, I guess it's not so new to me anymore because I've done maybe, I don't know, 12, 15 winter events at this stage. But uh, it's still nice to to push on on a surface that you can barely stand up on. And uh, this weekend... It didn't really work out for us with uh, the banks, but it's fun to be leaning on them as well. Just, uh, just not too much. And you know, tough conditions, as you say, and and, and obviously, you know, I think it was as a Pecker described the snowbanks as either your friend or foe. Um, but like, you know, it it it's a rally that claimed two world champions. You know, were you surprised to see Calais and Oit getting caught out on stage four? Yes, of course. Like you say, they're two world champions and uh, the best in the business. But for me, I think the especially with this new base in Umea for Rally Sweden, the stages are so fast that there is absolutely no room to back off even in the slightest bit. And especially on Friday when, when the road position plays a massive effect uh, it means that you really have to be on it and, and not lose time because even 10 seconds on a rally like this is almost impossible to to claw back which sounds a little bit extreme but when you get to the end of a stage at 20 25 kilometers and you see five or six cars separated by two seconds you know it it really drives home how how much everyone is pushing and yeah, for them, they got caught out early on, on Friday morning. And uh, I I think it's it's just, they've just been unlucky. Again, touching the snowbanks and sometimes you'll just bounce off them and sometimes they suck you in like, uh, like we've seen. So it's it, like EP says, they are your best friend up until they're not. So as we mentioned there, you know, Friday was tough going, snow, you know, thick, heavy snow shards. You know, watching it on TV almost looked like fog um, and, you know, snow falling, covering the lines. I mean, how difficult was it out there, especially trying to find a line or, or you know, in, in the snow and the ice? Yeah, Friday afternoon was was really, really difficult. And when we came to the end of uh, the last proper stage uh, on Friday, stage seven, before heading back to Umea, I jokingly said to Taka at the finish line, uh, I hope that you can see more than me because uh, in the dark, with the heavy snow coming down and, and the lamp pod on, it was extremely difficult to see where you were going. And with the stages being so fast and with so much snow on the road that it was impossible to see any sort of a line, it, uh, it made it incredibly difficult. But Taka coped exceptionally well 
in these conditions and especially with EP running two cars behind us on the road and it was quite clear to see how uh, how much faster each car made the road as the line cleaned. So to only lose a handful of seconds to him, I think, was an incredible drive from Taka and uh, again being fastest uh, on the first stage on Saturday morning. It was setting up to be a really strong fight and, uh, you know, it was great for me and also Taka and the team to to be in this position and, and fighting for, you know, our first victory. And I think with what we showed there, hopefully we can build on this. And of course, there are many things that we still have to learn, but we're getting stronger as a crew uh, every single time we come out. And uh, I think the job Taka did at the weekend proved that, uh, you know, hopefully it's, it's just around the corner for us. And we will keep doing everything we can uh, together as a crew and, and with the guys and girls in in the team to to make that happen uh, as soon as we can. And like it was a really tasty battle between yourselves and Esapeka on, on Friday and it was great. And, you know, watching the Rally TV live coverage on the rest and, you know, all the commentators and anybody they spoke or talked to or even, the, the, you know, the messages on Twitter um, or X, uh, you know, you know, the fans wanted both yourselves and EP to, you know, to come out on top. There was a great sympathy and 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 uh, interest and, and I suppose support for, for both of you guys. Yeah, listen, obviously being teammates with EP in, in 22 and in, in the Toyota, uh, we are very good friends. And also myself and, and Yanni are, are very close and I have a lot of time and, and respect for, for these guys. So. It was nice to be in a battle with them. Um, it would have been really nice to bring it all the way over the three days, but uh, it ended for us quite early on, on Saturday morning. But it's not too often that uh, you can say that you're happy for your rival to, to win an event, especially when, when they're driving for uh, the opposite manufacturer than you. But yeah, kudos to them and, and congratulations. It's It's been a long time coming. Finland 17 was their boys' last win. And I think even themselves would admit that it was a difficult season for them last year. So to see them being to be on the top spot uh, was nice. Of course, devastated that uh, we didn't manage to, to fight with them all the way and, and see who could have won on speed alone. But yeah, uh, it wasn't meant to be for us this time. But I think we, there is so many positives this weekend. You know, we were leading after the, the first loop on Friday. We dropped a handful of seconds, like we say, with the, the conditions on Friday afternoon. And the first stage Saturday morning, again, we were 2.5 quicker than Esapeka to, to close the gap to less than a second. So, you know, you have to look at the positives and, and you know, keep your spirits up. And uh, it's a long season ahead and we we'll keep pushing to to try and achieve that top step of the podium. And, you know, as you said, you know, you'd close that gap on EP less than a second. What was the strategy for Saturday? Like, is it just flat out? Like, does the team, you know, provide guidance on that? Or what do they want to see? You know, I suppose it's a very high risk and reward strategy. You're putting a lot out there. And as we saw, you know, it can bite. 
So what is, you know, when you go out on, on, on the morning like that, where you are fighting for the, the lead, is it like we want to take the lead and that's it? Or is there a weighing up? Do you know what? A podium might be better. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. <laughs> and uh, sitting here now, of course, you would have taken a podium or second place uh, for sure instead of the disappointment of having to get the shovels out. But at the same time, we're competitors competing at the very top of the sport in, in the World Championship. And uh, we want to win. We want to, to do the best results that we can, not only for us, but, but for the team. And of course, with Cali being out on Friday, uh, it meant that we were also thinking about this. But at the same time, you know, we wanted to, to push on and nothing really changed on Saturday morning. Um, we have in Toyota, we have a meeting every morning and, and make a plan. And from this, it was just do the same that you had been doing the day before. And uh, yeah, that's what we did on the first stage on uh, on Saturday morning, which was also a brand new piece of road that nobody has ever done before. So uh, to take a handful of seconds back out of them on this stage, uh, definitely built the confidence moving into the rest of the day. And in this particular place that uh, we did get caught out, it was a little bit off camber and yeah, we were probably a little bit too fast, but at the same time, we just kissed the bank with the rear and uh, it was no different to, you know, a dozen banks that we had kissed the day before and this one just bit us hard and, and pulled us in at the front and uh, yeah, that's all she wrote. And as a co-driver, obviously head down, you're in the notes, um, concentrating on, on your you know, you're part of the partnership and, you know, the feeling is literally through the seat of the pants, you know, at what point do you start to get that sensation? Oh, we're just going a wee bit too hard, a wee bit too sideways, more than we should be. This isn't going to end good. Well, in this particular place, I genuinely didn't think that it was going to to have the, you know, repercussions that, that it actually did have. Um, like I say, we touched it with the rear and it was no different to any of the other banks that we had you know, hit, uh, hit on Friday. And if you watch the onboard, I'm already reading the next uh, sequence of corners because it didn't feel like anything was going to happen. But uh, yeah, it, it just pulled us in. And uh, the speed was so high in this place, like we were in fifth year. And, uh, you know, you can, you can watch the onboard to see how fast we were going. But the speed then when we did hit the bank and it pulled us in at the front, it just, just sucked her in and uh, she got beached and we were really far down. And then with the front wheels and the rear wheels then were sort of sitting up. They were still on the ground, but they were sitting up with, with no weight on them. So we had no traction to get out. And there was two marshals at the previous junction before, which was only a few hundred meters. And, and they ran up the road to, to try to help as well. And of course, I had to go back down the road a little bit before the corner to to warn the cars coming, uh, because we weren't on the road, but we were a little bit on on the rear. But it was fine. The road was clear, and everybody could continue. And if if there had have been a spectator area close by or a couple of guys uh, at this at this particular place, maybe it would have been possible to get out, but. With only ourselves and, and the two marshals, uh, the car was too far into the snow and, uh, yeah, stuck for the day. 
And what do you call it? Obviously, you know, you're there to compete. You're uh, and what do you call it? You want to do as well as possible. But in a in a situation like that, where you are, there, there is so much time loss. If you had had spectators, actually, what is more advantageous? Is it to get eventually dug out and get going again, or actually because you know the the impact it would have had on your fight for the lead, it would have removed you from that fight basically had you got going was it better maxi then just to restart under super rally uh, it's it's hard to answer this question of course it it depends on on the time lost you know it was ourselves and ep separated by less than a second and we had maybe a minute and a half then back to uh formo or elvin in in third at this point uh so even if we had a lost a minute it it would have been quite okay to still, you know, reach the the podium, and of course, the ultimate disappointment of losing that uh, fight for victory would have been hard to accept. There's no question about that. But also, you have to think uh, to be on the podium as well is, of course, a great uh, a great result in the world championship. So, yeah, I I think if we could have got out in a reasonable amount of time, for sure, we would have continued uh, and kept pushing to to you know, still try to fight for a podium at least. But, uh, you know, once one car goes by at a three-minute gap and then a second one, you know, you can very quickly do the maths in your head. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 even if we wanted to get out, uh, which we did, it just wasn't possible in this place. The car was too badly stuck and, and with no help, uh, it just wasn't possible. And that brought you into Sunday and restart under Super rally rules with the change in the point system where you know Sunday's like nearly a, a new event with regard to there's 12 points on offer for the Sunday alone how has that impacted strategies or changed how you view Sundays or in these scenarios where you come back under super rally where it is just about you know trying to get as many points as possible is there a different approach to the to, to Sunday now yeah with the new point system I think for sure, Sunday is now a critically important day. Um, there is 18 points available from Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then there's 12 points available on a Sunday for, you know, a third of the, the rally distance. So Sunday is now a really important day. It's not just the power stage. And of course, you know, there is a strategy and and something more to think about than there has been in previous years because... Like we've seen, uh, like we seen in Sweden, the winner of the rally didn't come away with the most amount of points. So, uh, yeah, we're fighting for every single point, not only for our own campaign and the drivers and four drivers championships, but again for for the manufacturers' title. And it means that you really have to think now already from the beginning of the rally to have. In Sweden, anyway, two sets of tires for the Sunday because we had a service after the first one. So it's important. There is a little bit more strategy now for sure than there was before. And uh, I think that will continue on, on every round uh, this year to to maximize the amount of points that you can take for yourself and as a team on these uh, Super Sundays. And like we saw EP kind of forgo the points to take the win in Sweden. And like I can imagine if you take events, you know, such like Finland, where everybody wants to win Finland, you know, 
would you have scenarios where again crews are going oh do i want to get max points but i'm there's a huge risk in doing that or do i want the kudos of winning finland that i guess can only be weighed up on uh on an event by event basis sweden was maybe a little bit special with how the road conditions were on on friday afternoon and created these massive uh differences on on the timesheets so I think regardless of the rest of the year, we're never going to have something as uh, specialised as this. And the fight will, will be much closer because of, uh, you know, let's say normal weather conditions and, and not a freak snowstorm like we had in Sweden. But uh, let's say even, even if you want to win the rally and uh, you're not so much concerned about the points, you're still going to be fast anyway, or else you wouldn't be be leading the rally. So I think from that perspective, uh, of course, if somebody is retiring throughout the weekend and and going again with uh, everything to fight for on Sunday for these 12 points, but with the way that the the rules are, you still need to to finish the rally on Sunday to get the points that you bank from, from the rest of the day. So it's just weighing up the risk versus reward and uh, trying to also speak with the team of course there's three of us uh, and the strategy between each car can differ so it's uh, it all depends on on how the weekend unfolds and and where you're at uh, with how you can play to achieve you know the points for everybody on on the Sundays so Next up, Safari, opportunity for yourselves and Taka to hit reset, start again. And it's an event where you've gone well on in the past. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, it's an earlier time of the year. Um, so what what's kind of the preparation or the expectations now? You've got, what, nearly a month to start getting ready for Safari or just over a month? Yeah, let's say, you know, it is an event that we have been very strong on before, not only ourselves, but the full Toyota team, you know, we've been one, two, three, four on, on the most difficult event in the calendar for, for the previous two years. So for sure, we will be trying to emulate that uh, result again for a third year in a row. But for us anyway, uh, like you say, and like we said at the start, the weather will play a big part. Um, okay, we won't have the dramatic changes uh, in the space of a few hours, I think, like we did in Sweden. So it's either going to be wet or, or or dry or maybe mixed, but it should be quite similar for every car, I would say. And uh, It's an event that we really enjoy. It's nice to, to go to Africa and, and see all the wildlife and, and the adventure that the rally brings because it's not like some of these rallies in, in Finland or Latvia or Poland like we're going to this year that will just be flat out from the very first corner of the very first stage, of course. The challenge of Safari and again the unknown uh, moving forward in the calendar this year means that there's a lot of preparation to do and and a lot of work to put in beforehand. But I think that we can uh, we can definitely achieve a good result here uh, as a team again. And what do you call it? We you know safari's been notorious for the water splashes the last couple of years and they, you know they've kind of made an impact on the on the, on the um, leaderboard will there be any modifications to the cars this year yeah so this year 
I think it's common knowledge now that uh, snorkels are, are going to be allowed on the Rally 1 cars for the first time. I think it was already allowed for, for Rally 2 and maybe possibly Rally 3 in the past as well. But this will be the first year that uh, it's allowed in, in Rally 1. So from from the fan and the spectator in me, I think uh, it's only a positive and to see the cars in in a proper safari spec with a big snorkel running up the A pillar will be really nice and remind you of the especially the old Toyotas of years gone by, like the Salikas and, and the Corollas that uh, had uh, these snorkels and, and bull bars, which unfortunately we won't get this year, but uh, maybe in the future, who knows. And uh, coming up five mile time, you're home for a few days. Will you get a chance to go and see a couple of stages? Yeah, so I only got home yesterday and uh, it was an early start yesterday morning. So just chilling out today and... Uh, I will definitely be contacting Lewis uh, Boyd or any of the rest of the guys and girls in Oman Motor Club to, to lend a hand this weekend uh, in Fireman Town. I'll definitely go up and say hello to everybody. And uh, it's only, well, it used to be in front of the service park last year. It's it's moved a little bit further away out the road now to between Fintna and Temple, but it's still my home rally. And uh, someday I would still like to win it. So, Hopefully, hopefully it'll be a few years yet, but uh, someday I'll come back and, and also like to compete on, on the Oman Water Club stages. Huge thanks to Aaron. Really appreciate taking the time. And uh, what do you call it? Obviously, the reference to Five Mile Time, that this was recorded as Aaron just got home from Sweden and before Five Mile Time took place. And we are genuinely looking forward to see how Aaron and Taka get on in the Safari Rally. Um. Kevin, I also had the chance to catch up with Eamon Kelly, Connor Mohan and Willie Mavitti. Um, they again had just come home from Sweden. Fantastic result for Eamon in Sweden. Yeah, like, you know, the JWRC this year, 19 competitors, I think, starting it. Like, it has ratcheted up to a completely different level. And to come away with third, like, I think it's a fantastic result for the two boys. It really is, you know. Look, very mature drive from Eamon. Yeah, the uh, same thing I said about Solberg. I think the best thing we can say is credit to those boys. There wasn't too much to say about what happened, at least from the outside. I've, I've no doubt there was plenty of things going on. But yeah, in a, in a field as quality as that, to get third, particularly on a surface where you wouldn't necessarily expect the Irish boys to be flying, is, yeah, I think a, a really, really encouraging result looking ahead to the rest of the season in terms of a, a championship. So well done, Eamon. I've not spoken to you in a while, but I will do. Um, I'll buy you a Guinness next time I'm in Dublin, if you're allowed to have them still. I don't know if that's in the Motorsport Academy diet these days. I'm sure he's probably allowed one. Yeah. <laughs> I Hopefully now that that's a, a springboard to go on into the year. Well, that's it. Plus, you know, it's a good positive result. The next event for them is Croatia, which he won last year. So, you know, it's a really good start to the year for them. Solid points on the board early on. Um, and, you know, the winners in the JWRC in Sweden were the Scandinavians, you know, so that's going to level that playing field a bit more to get on to Tarmac, which is going to suit him and that bit better. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. I think we'll hear from uh, the two boys and Wally Mavetti as well. Guys, thanks a million for joining us. Just back from Sweden. Um, third position in JWRC. Not a bad start to the year, Eamon. Yeah, it's a pretty solid start, um, especially when we look at how we started the year last year in Sweden, rolling not once but twice. So 
wasn't really hard to go better, but um, no, a podium is is really good, and uh, especially in a field of nearly twenty drivers, um, there's always such big anticipation going into a season who's going to be on it and who's going to be fast, etc. Uh, so yeah, third uh, definitely um, it is pretty good, and here look, snow's not necessarily my strongest surface either, so it's nice to be going into tarmac now with a, a solid hollow points under under our belts. And Connor Eamon mentioned there, snow is not the strongest service. I think, is this, what, your fourth event in the snow? Like, you really, you know, it is a, a, a surface you don't have the experience on. Yeah, no, I'm sure we've only done, we wouldn't have done that whole lot of on snow. And uh, we really started this year, we have been concentrating on it, going to Sweden to get as much prep on it as possible. Um, but no, Eamon adapted to it well and uh, drove well on it and, I think we're we're fairly used to this now at this stage. We are we've been out on it that much. And Willie, second year of looking after these two in the JWRC, is it getting any easier? Yeah, oh here, Connor, they're not so bad to be honest. Uh, as the time goes on, I'm starting to learn more and more what they like and what they don't like. So yeah, in that sense, it's getting easier. Yeah. And what about the nerves? What were they like this year starting the? You know, field of 20 JWRC entrance this year, you know, a lot of tough competition, plus going back to an event that, you know, didn't go so well last year. So how did you keep them settled, Willie? Uh, I think Eamon had a plan in his head. You know, we sat down before the rally and we made a bit of a plan and where we wanted to be throughout the rally, different days where, where our targets were. And um, it was pretty stress-free, to be honest. The recce went well, the preparation before the rally went well. Um, there was no dramas in between. Like there's some rallies you can go to, and there can be plenty of different bits and pieces that don't go to plan even before you you get to the start of the rally. But no, Eamon's preparation for this one, Connor's now paid off and pulled together a bit of a plan of attack and executed it, and it all came together. And Connor, last year after Croatia, you know, I was chatting with Eamon, and you know basically was saying you know how, you know you got the win in Croatia how did that come about Neiman's answer was we had a plan so you know Connor how important is that having that preparation having you know a strategy when you come to these events yeah especially like when you go to the WRC events you need to have you need to know what your your aim is for the event and where you want to be and what pace you want to be on because like you can't be going to them thinking that you're going to be like you, you just have to get into your head that you have to work to the plan and stick to it because there's such long events and so tough and anything, something can go against you, but you just have to learn just to, you're going to have good stages and bad stages. So you just have to take the good of the bad and just keep working and keep plugging away and it eventually will come. Like, But you just, uh, Evan's not always going to go the way you want it to go, basically. And Eamon and the recce, the conditions looked pretty good, but you know, when you got to the event and particularly Friday where it was, you know, practically a snowstorm how much had conditions changed how much did you have to make changes to the notes you know for the second pass that type of thing um yeah i know the first day Iraqi was really nice like proper sunny blue skies conditions were meant um second day was a bit more a little bit more um challenging with the snowfall but yeah friday was proper like blizzard conditions um and it was difficult enough during the day, but when it got dark, that's when it became a massive challenge. It was like 
you know, obviously you're relying heavily on your, your laser lamps, which are so, so bright and um, as good as daylight when they work well. But when they're reflecting the heavy snowfall, it's like having a curtain pulled over your eyes. It's it's so dazing. So you're actually driving through the stages without your laser lamp on. Um, well, I wasn't anyway, because it's, uh, you know, it's genuinely easier to see without 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 it than just use the the mediocre headlights on the fiesta and it's not great but it's better than being blind so yeah it's uh it's a savage challenge um you really have to listen to your pace notes and trust them and, and really just drive the conditions obviously the heavy snowfall also meant that as time went on you know between cars the snow was building on the stage too so if you got offline you were into heavy snow and it got very very slippy and it caught a lot of people out but Again, it's thanks to the the prep we've done and the rallies we've done before, we've kind of experienced stuff like that. And you know, you know, you're going into a stage and it's going to catch people out. So you just have to be smart about it. And Connor says you just pick the stages where you know you have to push, and the ones that you have to maybe use a sensible head and maybe accept that you're not going to be the fastest, but you'll get through it and not drop time. And they they are such long events, so that's the way. That's the way you have to approach it. But yeah, once we got Friday over us, the rally was really, really nice conditions and very, very enjoyable to drive in. And surface was good. And see, when you get that on snow with the studded tires, there's there's nothing like it. It's just pure class. And Connor, you know, from from calling the notes in those conditions, A, it's, you know, it's an extremely fast rally, but also where you have that nearly whiteout effect from the snowfall and the snow banks in the road, you know, where does the road end? Where do the banks begin? And, you know, when you're looking up from the notes every now and again to make sure you're in the right, you know, how, how do you kind of keep assured you are in the right spot? To be fair, actually, I thought it would have been worse. It actually, it's not as bad as you might think it is to call notes. Um, it's uh, when you get into a rhythm, it's once you get going at the start and get into a rhythm, I find it just, everything just clicks and you, you know what speed that, you know what speed your driver will be carrying and, what he should be carrying and what corners he should be taking fast or and what corners should be taking slow and just you just sort of get into your head and you get into a rhythm and it just all works really it's uh, for all the lack of times you do look up on the straight of the road really when you get into tight sections you can't look up so you just have to keep calling and just feel it all so and but now it's 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 just it just comes to you really <laughs> and you, what do you call it Connor you had a couple of um, what do you call it? Friday, you had fogged up windscreen. I think first stage of the morning. You know that that's a bit of a tough start to the event. How do you keep everything calm and settled in the car and get that sorted? Out here, we just we uh, we just got up and kept going on. We just it's one of them things. Shit happens, and you just have to get over it and just keep going on. No point it was the first stage, and we knew it probably we couldn't let it get over us. So we just started the next one and just went on from it. Nothing really you can really do about it. Just have to put it over your shoulders and keep it on. And Eamon, fairly drama free. Like I think you had to spin a puncture. You caught a slow moving car at one point. But apart from that, there didn't seem to be too many issues for you. Yeah, no, I know. And I, mm. To some people, that might sound like a load of issues. But again, when you're doing a 300k event, that that is pretty unscathed. Um, yeah, we, you know, in terms of going off the road or hitting the car or anything it was very drama free we drove at a fairly comfortable pace obviously you're always trying you're pushing on but 
I never felt like I was driving beyond mm. the limit. Um, I felt quite comfortable, and we we did go on the attack on some of the stages where we felt we needed to. Um, but all in all, it was very within my own my own limits. And yeah, the um, the yeah, like I said, the height of it was a small spin. Um, and uh, and not being able to see out my glasses, which <laughs> it's not ideal, but happens. Um, so yeah, you, again. It's not often you get events like that, so it feels really good when when you do. And look, there will be events where you just get bad luck thrown at you and stuff after stuff. Trust me, it's happened plenty of times last year. So you really, really do enjoy it when it goes your way, and you just have to savor it and make the most of it. And that's what we did, and it's a big part as to how we got the result that we did. And Willie, do you see a difference in the lads this year? You know, they've got a year's JWC under the belt. They've had a win. They've had a podium place. You know, do you notice a difference in them and their approach and, and how, how they tackle Sweden this year? Oh, definitely a huge approach change this year compared to last year. You know, um, I've noticed a massive change with Eamon, um, both mentally, you know, preparation before the event and during the event. Like, I know this year, um, Eamon approached the event with the plan that we had. You know, we would be happy if we were fifth fastest on Friday night, and we knew then we were in sight then of a podium over the over the weekend if we could maintain that fifth sort of at the beginning of the rally. And like last year, whenever Eamon had arrived, if you'd have said to him, you know, we're targeting for a fifth place, he'd have said, "No way, I'm going for first on the first stage." Um, so, like, Croatia was a big learning. You know, um, Eamon, I think, had, now has learned that the rallies are long and it's about putting the plan in place and figuring out where you want to be during the rally to be able to get to the podium at the finish. It's not, the rally's not won the first stage, nor the first day. And Super Rally, as great as it is, to help you get back out again. This year with 19 cars, if you're super rallying, you've no you've no points unless you've a few stage wins. So um it's all about pacing yourself and getting getting the strategy all to fall together that you know you're gonna be in a fighting position come the come Sunday morning that you're in a fighting position to get on the steps of the podium. And Willie, from from being in and around the service area and, and, and the M Sport pulling team are looking after the, the 19 JWRC crews. Do you notice any difference this year? Is it more competitive? Is there more of a buzz or is there a different feeling just with the, the increased number of crews competing for the same prize? Oh, there's a there's a huge change in the service park. You know, um like last year it was like a little family, you know, with with all of us together and we all knew each other and we all like picked them had the crack and the slagging and everything else. But this year with all the 19 crews, you know, it's impossible to have that relationship with everyone. So um, I think towards the end of the season, when we get to know everyone a little bit better, we may bond a bit more. But at the minute, you know, it's it's every man for themselves. And um, yeah, I know there's a few guys that have returned this year and we, we know them pretty well. But for the newcomers now, it's very much so we... We don't really get much chat out of them, to be honest. And Connor, stage ten this year, I think that was your bogey stage last year where you went off. Like, does that cross your mind going into that stage again, or do you have it noted somewhere, or you know, is there any extra words said to Eamon, you know, coming up to a particular corner, or what's what's the story? No, well, probably this is our first pass over. There's on the corner when you come out of the corner, there's like 
I don't know, I can't remember, like 300 or 400 straight, maybe like, and we came out around the corner and Eamon just let a big roar out of him and we just, we were just so glad to get around it at that one point. So we did and we knew we had got further than last year now, but um, yeah, no, we, we had it well, we had it well noted and well looked at and having well thought about it, but uh, not here. It was, uh, it was just one of them things. It just caught I mean, us out and that's it, like. Not only did we have it well noted, three of the other crews from last year told me they also noted it as women's corner so it was uh, a common theme but yeah <laughs> glad to get around it I was like not this year baby not this year <laughs> <laughs> and Eamon second pass must be tough like you know between the the eight rally one cars then you have a whole rake of you know rally two WRC twos going through and you know you guys have already been through it once like uh, I cut up is it where do you even go to pick a line or whose line do you pick? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the stage. Some stages didn't cut up so bad. Um, like second pass, you could still really attack and you could go faster than your first pass. But there was a couple of stages, like one of the, maybe the penultimate stage on the Saturday night, where it was like, I don't think I've seen any it's snow. just pure gravel. Yeah, it was gravel. It was like doing Dolby Forest in the dark. You might as well have been in New Yorkshire. It was uh, mad just start to finish and um when i say we had like no studs left on the rear tires there was maybe you could have counted probably with both hands how many studs were left on it they were just destroyed and that that's tough you know you're driving and um you're trying to commit and you know that you can't commit to the same level as you would be able to on your first pass or with better conditions or tires and you just have to try and balance it and figure out in the moment on each corner what's the best approach here between not making a mistake but also trying to be as fast as I can with what I have and yeah that's uh, that's always a challenge but it's part of it and you know we weren't the only ones facing that so once you get that into your head and you just sort of relax a bit um, yeah it just it just uh, it just flows and you begin to enjoy the, the challenge of it there's no point I think that's thing, one thing last year I probably wasn't used to that and whenever I got into those situations I probably got a bit frustrated and think you know sometimes you feel very alone in that situation you feel like you're the only competitor who has this problem and you're like oh you know we're dropping so much time here but like so is everybody else and it's about how you deal with it so yeah I've learned to, to really enjoy them and just uh, not worry too much about how how much time you're losing or gaining or whatever you just adapt to it and enjoy it. And Willie, you know, good support from friends and family over the weekend in Sweden, probably more out there this year than, than the previous year. Was there a good bit of buzz? Yeah, there was, um, Connor. Um, Sweden's quite a unique uh, event where the super special stage, the, the Red Barn, they're on it, you know, every day. So it takes a lot of the spectators away from the service park. So there isn't just as much buzz around the service park, but whenever you go out to the super special, um, it's amazing how many fans and spectators and Irish flags and everything that you see there, and you know the support that Eamon gets um, is is serious. Like the the amount of Irish guys that were standing waiting for Eamon to come in at one point was was brilliant, you know. And I feel that energy then transforms over to to the boys, and you can see them picking themselves up as well whenever they see the Irish flag. You know, whenever uh, we were on the way home, Eamon 
was showing me a photograph of him out over a jump and there was a Donegal flag just happened to be in the screenshot as well. Totally random, you know, that it was there. And, you know, it, it, it gives the boys a good lift whenever they see that they see that the, the guys from home are show, taking such a good interest into everything. And Eamon, does it make it a bit harder in the evenings? You know, you're getting back to, to service and obviously you want to go through the videos and stuff as well as get a bit of an early night. But like with, with more support there, is it a bit harder to, to pull yourself away? Um, I know. Look, you, I think it's important to uh, to take the um, take the support because you get a lot of energy from it. You know, that's all part of it. Um, as Willie said, you know, you've come in from a tough loop. Be, be it good or bad, you know, it takes still takes plenty of idea and it's refreshing to see people you might, you know, vaguely know or know and gives you energy back and motivates you to push on again and reminds you of how much, you know, you're enjoying the buzz and it's great to talk to people and it just makes the whole thing um, feel more at home and especially then seeing your own family. My dad was out there, cousins uh, and some family friends and just being around them and having a crack, it's uh, it's great and um, makes it all the better too. And you have a good result, and and everyone's there. So, yeah, no, you don't. Um, I would never neglect it. I think it's a it's a really positive thing. And um, of course, then you you can't be with everyone all the time. You go and do what you have to do. But no, you definitely you feed off it um, in the most positive way possible. And Connor, you know. Uh, coming off the back now of a really solid start to the JWRC campaign next round up for yourselves is Croatia where you took the win last year what's the the feelings what's what's the you know the plan and and what's the preparation you're going to be putting in between now and, and April yeah well we do plan on maybe going out and do like a bit of testing before the rally or um or do like a maybe like a test rally before it and we'll see but um we're uh no, uh, we we plan on having having a really good result and trying to push on in Croatia, especially because um we have a fair knowledge of the stages from last year and uh, it's gonna hopefully stand to us and we know what we have to do really, so we're just gonna give it our all and see what we can do. And Eamon, your own thoughts now heading heading from from Sweden to Croatia. Yeah, um, I think I'd like to be um well, no, I think I know I'd like to be you know, tr- pushing on towards that top end of the table on the timesheets and proving the pace that I know I have, you know. Um, I don't always want to be seen to be holding back. Not that I'm holding back, but, you know, yes, you can have a strategy at times to to maybe drive within a, a certain limit and be on the slightly safer side of things, which, you know, it does work to get you um, a solid result if you stick to it. But, you know, you go rallying to be fast, so... I want to prove um, that I am, you know, <laughs> versatile and capable of being fast, which is clearly pretty important. So, yeah, and Croatia is in no better place to do that. The fast tarmac stages, um, we felt quite at home in them last year. And here I drove a very safe rally last year, and that was off the back of having that accident in Sweden. And, you know, we felt we couldn't retire two events in a row. So it was a very much a case of we need to um, get a strong finish here. But it's different this year. We've got a great haul of points in Sweden. We can go into Croatia with confidence. Been there last year. Um, I've put plenty of prep into my notes over the winter. Um, and I'm going to do the same now, you know, going forward in the next um, seven, eight weeks or whatever it is. So, yeah, I'd like to uh, I'd like to go there. And look, I've got a monkey on my back, too, in terms of not having a stage win. I've been second plenty of times. But, 
something that I want um really badly. So yeah, that's the goal. Uh, nothing else. So we'll see. Strong field of juniors though against us that'll uh definitely try to make that not happen. But um, no, look, we put in the work. Can't see why not. And Willie, you know, you're you're there. You're <clears throat> in a very much a, a supporting role at the events. But you know, in between the events, when they're the guys are getting prepped and and all and doing the practice, etc., and and then their um pre tests. You know, what's your own role or involvement? Um. Well. I went out to Finland there with Eamon to one of the small rallies and tests that we did before Sweden. So out there with the guys and help them as much as I can with their prep there. And Connor and myself would pull together recce schedules and bits and pieces. And um, a big part of these rallies also are like tyre management is, is huge, especially for the juniors, because these guys actually run a lot less tyres than the WRC P1 cars and the, the WRC2 cars so um, it's all about pulling together a bit of a plan there with the guys you know when we're going to use our tyres how we're going to hold on to them um, Croatia however it's a bit more unique because you have three different types of tyres so um, the weather changing can play a big factor like last year so um, it's all about helping the guys try and take as much weight off them with the thinking maybe in the background and let, let them focus on their driving and try and pull together as much help as you can to them. And Willie, that, that, that tire strategy, like it, it's very important, as you say, you know, they don't have the same amount of tires. They've got to be really, you know, careful about what they use and how they use it. Like, you know, where, where do you pick up the hints, the tips, the advice for that? Well, I've been quite lucky. I've been, going to these rallies now. This is my third season in this sort of role. So um learned it quite a bit with John because he had a fair bit of experience prior to me going out to help him. And the Lake of Sweden there, we were allowed 22 tyres. And William was in the WRC2 car, obviously, at the weekend. He was actually allowed 26. And on top of his 26, he was also allowed... Uh, free shakedown tyres where we're allowed 22 and we have to include that into our shakedown run. So really, we're on the back foot from the start. Like We're probably eight tyres less than the, the WRC2 cars. And to be honest, it's it, the figure that they have is where you would want to be with tyres to not have to think about it or worry about it. Um, but this weekend, Damon stuck to the tyre plan um, thankfully he drove uh, tidy and didn't pick up any punctures that we weren't using any tyres that we, we hadn't accounted for and you know it all came together on Saturday and Sunday whenever as Eamon said before you could see that the studs were completely gone on Saturday night and we were lucky enough to be able to start Sunday morning then with a fresh set of brand new tyres which wasn't the same maybe for some of the other crews and Eamon, you know, we discussed Willie's role there in the background, but, you know, he's not the only one. Like, there's a lot of support and a lot goes into behind the scenes making all of these events happen. Yeah, yeah, obviously we've got um, we've got all our sponsors um, and uh, the support that they've given me is brilliant and they're so invested in the whole thing. And it's, uh, I always say, but, you know, it feels great when you uh, you come with a positive result and, you're fit to uh to bring that back to them. It always makes it easier sending a rally report or whatever it may be um off the back of a good result than 
yeah, look, there's plenty of people to thank of the academy as well. If prep me well, I've been um working a lot on my fitness too over the winter, and um that it, to be fair, the training that Dermot and the academy gives us is very good, and I've been a bit more disciplined um on his training now leading up to it. But we did fitness training within the JWRC, all the co-drivers and drivers, and I think Mark said that. Was third highest maybe so it's a good sign for the academy that uh, their training is um is putting us in a in a good place and um yeah obviously I thank uh, Sean Hassett as well who is looking after all the socials for the for the uh, few days um I'm not not that I'm not a big social media person but I tend not to look at it too much over rally weekend I I just find it quite distracting and um. He just took over it and he made a splendid job of it. So yeah, he's he's a real talent with a camera and uh, he knows the whole scene too from his years of experience there. So he's a great great addition. And John Armstrong was a great help um to me as well in the first uh, in the warm up rally I did. Um, it was great to have him on board and all the all his previous knowledge and his knowledge of the rally f- three fiesta. Um, so it was a credit to to him and um to RTE Motorsport too. They were really good as usual up in Finland and um yeah they're they're a great bunch of guys so no and of course the other two men on the screen there they're not too bad either so it was lovely to hear from the lads there and again fantastic result great start to the year for them in the JWRC campaign um also had the opportunity to catch up with William Crichton and uh Liam Regan uh just to talk about their adventures in Sweden in the WRC2 category yeah like you know, it was probably a difficult weekend for them. Like, Will has no real experience of, you know, an, an R5 Rally 2 car. Like, other guys would have more experience and all that. So I think, you know, it was a good, solid performance. Yes, there's a few difficulties along the way, but I think it bodes well. And a wee bit more time in that car, I think, you know, we'll see the, the get closer to the top. And Rally 2 has got so competitive now. Like, we, we talked earlier, you know, like, uh, Solberg and these guys leading the, you know, not leading the rally, but in the top five overall. Like it's a huge, it's a big ask to get to that pace, but hopefully now that the, the two boys will get closer to it, look. Yeah, I think they've done absolutely the right thing in their approach to Sweden because it's never the right thing to give up before you started, but then they're, they're not daft. Like they knew they were not going to be fighting for a top result in Sweden for, for various reasons, which you've basically touched upon. So, yeah, and you could look at the result and everyone go, oh, that's not particularly great. But I think if you actually contextualise the whole thing, what more could anybody realistically have expected from them? And um, as you say, it's I've probably forgotten of how little experience William has in these cars. Like he spent so many years in, in the front wheel drive stuff where he then moves up to Rally 3, obviously, with with Junior. So he really doesn't have a massive base to, to work from. Then you take into the fact that he's on snow and ice, a surface he's not got that much experience of either compared to the other two. So so yeah, all he had to do really for this one was, was get the seat time, get the mileage, and that's exactly what he's done. So for me, it's it's job done, move on to the next. Yeah, Connor, like it was, it was a great chat you had with the two boys, so I think we'll hear from them. William, Liam, great to see you again. WRC Sweden, I think, is that your third time competing on the event? Does it get any easier? It was it was actually quite different this year, to be honest, with the with the conditions, a lot of fresh snow on, on Friday. So like Liam and I were chatting, we've been to the rally three times now, and I've never actually seen it snow in the town. Um, the conditions have always been perfect for us, so we were a bit spoiled. So it was quite different this year. But I suppose, firstly, just a big thank you to M Sport. You know, 
to work with them in the first two rallies of the year has been has been awesome. Um, the treatment we got and how we looked after it was very good. They you know prepared a great car, so uh, it was really enjoyable. Um, two weekends out in Sweden. I have to say now it was incredible to to see the images before the event and there's the two Rally One cars and yourselves parked up beside them, you know, in the M Sport um, service park. It looked good. Yeah, it's you know the project with M Sport and the Motorsport Iron Rally Academy. It's you know I'm very lucky to be a part of that and you know from the insight and and working with the team now at the first rally of the year, you know I'm excited now to work forward because you know I think we can make make a lot of progression together. And Liam, you know, wrecking conditions certainly were different, particularly, you know, to, to what Friday had on offer when there was a bit of a snowstorm. Like, how, how did you find the change in conditions and particularly, you know, the, the road surface as well? Yeah, it was definitely different from any other year we've been there. I mean, the weather wasn't great on the on the wreck either a couple of times, but on Friday evening, um, well, to be honest, we, we, we knew it was going to come in on Friday evening. We had good weather forecast um, with M-Sport. So we knew this was coming. Um, it, it was really tough. I mean, it was really blizzard-like conditions. The Whenever it's a blizzard like that, it's almost like sparks coming towards you with the reflection on, on the spotlight. So sometimes you have to turn the spots off on stage, which isn't easy either. Um, it was a proper winter rally. Like, it was it was very difficult. We, we have been in those conditions before in Rally Lima two years ago. We had conditions like this. Um, but a proper challenge, I mean, Okay, on the Friday night we had two punctures in the pitch black, which made it very difficult for us. But look, I suppose it was refreshing on the way to get such a, a big challenge like that. I mean, you don't really want the easy option all the time. And William, you know, when you're in those conditions, particularly the likes of likes of, of Friday, and I know watching it on the TV, it looked almost like there was a fog. Uh, you know, the snow was that heavy coming down. Is it hard to trust your own notes, you know, especially if you've made them in, you know, I think the, the first day recce was, was the weather was quite good. So is it harder to trust the notes then or how do you, how, you know, is it just you have blind faith in, in what you and, and, and Liam have produced? It was very difficult. I mean, on the Friday night for the stage in the dark, it was kind of spoiled in a way because of our punctures. You know, we never stopping twice on the stage it was broken up it was a you know when, when that happened it was really about survival and getting out of the stage but um yeah i mean it was snowing most of the day on friday so it wasn't too bad in the daylight but you just knew as soon as as soon as the the night came it was going to be very very tricky you know as liam said when you turn the spots on uh your visibility is very poor and then at high speed with the stages so straight um it's difficult you're trying to play with the spotlights to to get it best suited to work for you. Um, so yeah, not not a handy start to the rally, um, but as Liam says, a bit of a challenge. Uh, um, in terms of trying to trust the pace notes, it's hard because Sweden is so fast, so there's a lot of big straights. Uh, so when you have a big distance um, in the pitch black, when the snow is coming horizontal at you, it's just hard to gauge how far down that straight you are. So, I mean, usually I try to, split my distances up with any signs, especially if that reflects in the in the dark and any crests, trying to really break it up to make it more manageable. But, you know, even doing that, it's it's next to impossible. But um yeah, proper challenge. Yeah, because even, you know, again following on the TV and you're you're, you know, the the live onboards, like there's times, you know, as a viewer, you couldn't tell where the road ended and the snowbank began. You know, so I, I can't imagine, you know, I, 
90, 100 kilometers an hour, what that must be like and, and how much faith you're putting into, you know, making it around the corner. Yeah, um, there's nothing worse than uh, the corner approaching you and you not expecting it to be there. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, no, like very difficult. But, you know, I think we managed quite well with the two punctures. It was it was fine to hard it was hard to find a spot to stop and change there was a stage that it was almost very narrow um it's in the pitch black you're trying to find a safe spot because there was so much fresh fresh snow any junction you got to was really covered um so uh, a lot of things went against us that night so we were glad to survive and make it out and then the weather got a lot better for the rest of the weekend and you know conditions were really perfect from then on Liam, William mentioned the two punctures. Like that was what the twenty-eight k stage, so it was a, a tough one to get double puncture. But with tire strategy, you know, how, how difficult or is it easier maybe on snow managing your, your tire strategy, or is it just the same as any other event? Really, it's a bit different for us this year, Connor, because yeah. our allocation is now increased in WRC two compared to what we're used to mm. in JWRC. So from that end of things, it's a bit easier. M Sport are offering great help as well. Um, we always talk with Marcus, our own engineer. He always comes to the rallies with us, you know. So between us all, we, we knew what we wanted to do with the tires. And um, notoriously, Sweden's not sore on on tires in terms of punctures. This year, for whatever reason, on that stage, um, quite a few competitors got punctures. So there must have been a rock pulled out on the line that you couldn't see, obviously, you know, in the rut or whatever. Um, so generally Sweden's not a problem for punctures. Okay, that stage sort of went against that trend, but um, you've really just got to manage the wear of the stud. I mean, whenever you look at a studded tire, even when it's done, it, it actually looks okay. So you, you know, you've got to manipulate the stud in the block to see where you are with it. Um, rotating the tires in Sweden's a big thing. So yeah, it's from that side of things, you need to be on the ball with your, with your tire strategy. And again, as a viewer watching the onboards and, and, and the heli shots, didn't seem to be, you know, that much gravel appearing through, or if it was, it was just in small patches. But, you know, in reality, what was it like, uh, you know, on the event? Yeah, this year was brilliant. Um, <laughs> there was hardly any gravel coming through. There was one stage, uh, I think on Saturday, the gravel started to come through, but nothing like what we saw last year on last year's event there was significant sections and whenever the gravel comes through it just rips the studs out like it's really sore in the tire so especially with the fresh snow we had this year on that rally you know it never really got a chance to to really cut up badly so i think that whole move up to email has proven a great success um you know it's proper winter rally great great conditions so I think from that side, it's, it's a great venue to have the Swedish rally. Um, not to mention, it, it is actually one of the most well-organized rallies we've ever done. The officials are really efficient, friendly. It's it's definitely a highlight of the year going up there. And William, how difficult it is picking a line? Um, you know, I suppose you're, you're following not far after the, the Rally 1 cars and, you know, there's, what, a dozen WRC2s in front of you. Oh, uh, you know, is is it tricky and then maybe even worse on the second pass? I mean, I would hate to be the first car on the road, um, especially after all the fresh snow. That, that would have been a nightmare. But, I mean, by the time we get there, there's, even with the snowfall, there was a pretty decent line. Um, the problem is that if you come out of the line, you're you're a goner. Um you know, you have no grip then on the, on the fresh snow. So 
that's that's the challenge and it's maybe not as difficult on the more technical stages you know less high speed but whenever you're really high speed stages especially whenever you're leaning on the car trying to break on one corner to set it up for the next corner if you pop out of the line at all you're yeah you're a goner so um that that was that's always the case i guess and, and on gravel rallying it's it's important as well but with so much fresh snow this year in sweden it was you know it was exaggerated and it was even more important and you got bitten worse if you if you didn't stay in the line and liam you know psychologically that you're going into what's a very specialist event and obviously you know it's the home territory for the scandinavians who are growing up driving on on you know snow like, do you feel on the back foot going into an event like that, or you know, you know, what what's the approach? Not really, Connor. To be honest, like, I mean, we have raced Sammy Payari, we raced Ruth Cahornan on that surface, and oh, uh, like, okay, this year was hard for us going into the new car and the new team, so we were on the back foot in that regard. But you know, as William said at the start, there, thanks to the MI Rally Academy. We've had great exposure on snow and ice. Um, we've done a lot of miles, had a really good test before that rally. So, look, I mean, it was Oliver's ideal scenario. He, he was really fast. Sammy was really fast. So, you know, those boys, it would be it would be like bringing those guys over to Rally Ireland and expecting them to, to race the locals. You know, they might struggle a bit. Like, um, So it's, it's not daunting. You know what you're up against. I mean, WRC2 is so competitive. I mean, it's arguably the most competitive category in the whole show because, what is there, eight or nine rally one? So, no, I wouldn't say it's daunting. Uh, like, we're, we're relishing the challenge this year, to be honest. And William, you know, step up to the, the, the WRC2 from the, the Rally 3 Fiesta. What's been the learning curve now that you've, you know, had an event under your belt? Um, In these cars, you get up to speed so much quicker than the rally three car um especially in sweden you know if you have a straight at all um or any opportunity to get up to momentum you need to assume that you're coming at each corner flat out um i guess for me in this rally it was it was sort of slightly it was easy to get frustrated in a way because you know coming from the event in 2023 where we knew the fiesta rally three inside out we had a lot of seat time in the car we were driving it right in the limit and whenever you get that feeling in Sweden, it's it's the ultimate playground. You know, there's no other feeling. So, um, you know, it's only normal that we weren't going to get that to that point in this car at our first event. So, you know, we had only done two proper days in the car before the WRC event started. So, um, you know, we have to be realistic. And then, you know, to go out on Saturday and, you know, we set a competitive stage time only about four seconds off the quickest uh, RC2 car. So, there's lots of positives that I can take from that. Um, and, you know, I think it was important to get all the kilometers and not get too frustrated. And I remember that there's a long way to go here, but, um, you know, to drive those cars on those stages is, is so much fun. And, you know, to take the positives out of that and and some of the stage times that we do, that we did um, and the team that I have around me this year, I'm, I'm excited to keep working now and try and close that gap to the, to the top guys. And Liam, you know, we spent the last three years with M Sport Poland, who were looking after you for JWRC side of things, but stepped up to the the main M Sport team this year. Did you feel spoiled? I uh, we're definitely spoiled. There's no doubt. Um, M Sport Poland have been brilliant this past three years. I can't speak highly enough of Maciek and, and Daniel, who was our pod manager, and everybody involved in that team. Um, 
dealing now with M Sport UK, it's obviously a bit different. Um, but if Sweden's anything to go by, like it's we're really looking forward to it. Everyone treats you really well. It's a good atmosphere. They are working for us. They take on board what we're saying. Very keen to help us. So, I mean, yeah, definitely spoiled. Um, their their attention to detail is very impressive. So, I mean, I'm already learning things from. Uh, we have Pablo looking after us. He works for M Sport now. He used to work for for Hyundai. Um, so yeah, I'm learning off him right away. So yeah, it's it's, it's really exciting to be part of it. And just under two months now until Croatia. When does the preparation start for that? Probably started already, actually, hasn't it? Um, already started. <laughs> yeah, it's quite intense coming in, coming into busy period for us. But a um, few changes, not so many changes, I think, for Croatia. I've had a quick look at it. The service park's changed. Um, I think there's one corner we need to watch out for again this year. Just, what do you think, William? <laughs> I think they've actually cut that out. Brilliant. <laughs> and yeah, um, Grace is a difficult rally. Um, I mean, we've had our challenges there the last couple of years, but we've got good knowledge of it. Um, I'm hoping that the weather's going to be uh, decent for it because it's a tricky rally in the dry, never mind whenever it rains. So, um, but whatever it is, it is. But yeah. Um, yeah, just excited to be honest. Uh, as Liam says, busy period coming in. I uh, got to focus in on Croatia and working towards that, um, and and just trying to progress. And you know, I'm the same as Liam, learning so much from from working with the team. And um, you know, it's impressive to see what they've done with with the P1 guys. You know, Adrian and Alex got a great result. So you know, there's a there's a good vibe in the team, and um, I'm just trying to pick up on everything that I can really and, and learn as quickly as possible to to be competitive in the WRC too. And what do you call it? You know, being being in with the main M Sport team, there must have been a fantastic buzz with Adrian getting the, the podium in Sweden. Yeah, definitely. It was, I think it was Malcolm Wilson's birthday during the weekend and Rich wasn't there. He was, he was at home because his partner was expecting, but um, yeah, I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll want to be at the next one anyway, if that trend continues. But um yeah, the, the the atmosphere in the team was good. You know, in a way, we we do our own thing, um, and the guy we're we're trying to focus on our own rally. But Adrian was even there and able to lend advice on the. I think it was the Saturday night. Um, you know, he obviously knows the rally two car inside out, and to be able to bounce ideas off him and try and learn from him was was really good. Particularly whenever he was in a in a podium position for the overall rally there, that he had time to to chat to me and offer some advice was really nice. Brilliant. And Liam, you know, before Croatia and stuff, will you have time to get involved with AMI Academy? Yeah, we're trying to dedicate as much time to that as possible. Um, William's probably doing a bit more than I am, but, um, you know, you've just got to look at, at Eamon's performance as well there in Sweden. Like, that's really impressive. He's in such a big fight this year. I think there's 19 altogether. Um, so it was great to see his result uh, for the Academy. Um and actually, if you look at the last four years in JWRC round one, someone from this island has featured. So whether that was us, Eamon, John Armstrong, I mean, I think that's that's something for this island to be really proud of. Um, and it just shows you the work's going on in the background. Whilst William and I are the ones in the car, the amount of people behind the scenes working for us and, and helping us to get there is phenomenal. And a lot of that is, is through the academy. So 
yeah, we're very privileged and we don't take it for granted. So obviously we're trying to put as much back in as we can. So thanks very much there to Wall and Liam. It's great for you taking the time there. And I suppose before we, we finish up, we never mentioned the elephant in the room earlier on, the, the whole point scoring system. Look, um, I'm still a wee bit undecided. I think it has its positives and it also has negatives too, but I think we'll give it another few events before we kind of go out, before I jump off the fence anyway at this stage. Yeah, undecided is actually quite a good word for it, I think. I think there's definitely pros and there's definitely cons to this. Um, I remember we did the sort of look back on 23 podcast and you asked me and Bex Williams about the upcoming point system. And I, I was a very political answer at that time and I was effectively hiding my prejudice, but I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure I didn't go in it. But my hunch was, I'm not sure this will work. It's not what I would have done, but effectively the main aim of this is to make Sundays more exciting. And I think it's hard to argue that it hasn't done that. It has, at least for me, and everyone will have their own opinions, of course, but for me, I now find it more interesting. And obviously I think Monty was a difficult one to quantify because there was a quite a tight fight for the rally at that point anyway, whereas this was the first time where I guess the attention would have been nowhere if there wasn't this point system because it was basically just could Lappy hold on to his lead. So it did create a bit more more intrigue. The always big elephant in the room with this one is the fact that second place driver has, has outscored the winner. And I think for a lot of people that's that's not right. And I can fully I can fully understand that. But for some reason I'm surprising myself with with this feelings. It's not how I expect myself to feel, but it doesn't actually bother me. I just don't think it matters as much as maybe it seems. Two reasons. One, I think, firstly, obviously we're all talking about it as a new concept, but realistically, down the line, nobody's going to look back at Sweden 24 and think that's the weekend where Elvin Evans scored the most championship points. Like, it's not relevant to what happened in the weekend. It's relevant to a season perspective where he'll we'll say we, he outscored Yville or whatever, but that's a rally that Lappy won. I know those conversations from from Elvin about wins being devalued potentially, but I don't think that thought went across CP's mind at all. Um, but I guess that leads me on to the second point where I think it's quite a key difference is that Lappy isn't a driver's championship contender this year because obviously he's only on a part-time campaign, so it takes something quite special for that to be enough to, to get a championship. But because of that, obviously he had no reason or incentive at all to go for those extra points he needed to get a win he had a big advantage it made no sense for him and he would have taken points off his championship fighting teammates if he had pushed as well so it was a very clear strategy for him but Lappy could have got more points if he wants to if the situation was different um but this is why I, I I don't see this being a particularly common scenario I think most drivers in pretty much every single other situation if they are leading they're still they're, they're all greedy at the end of the day you want as many points as you can get so I find it hard to envisage a scenario where this becomes regular as the season goes on. I could be disproved with that. And if that is the case, then I think we do definitely need to be making some serious change because it's not ideal. I, I can try and say various things I can, but I, fundamentally, I agree. It's not ideal that second place can score more than first. But for me, what's important is that it's a non-championship contender in this case that has taken less points. If if it was Elvin that had won the rally, say, and Yuville was second but scored the extra points, then that's a bit more strange and everything else. But mm-hmm. um, sorry, there's a lot of ranting and monologuing on. I'm I'm still on the fence. It's to me, it's too early to tell yet. What I will say is, when the power stage points first came in, I thought, oh, is that really going to work? But it did. We saw 
all the drivers go for. We saw the tri- drivers save their tires to have a full tilt run at the power stage. Hence why we had to get this quick fix to make Sunday more exciting because Sunday, you know, the first three stages of the morning were boring and it was all action was on the power stage. We saw Lappy choose a win over going for points and ultimate speed. And we saw the championship contenders, Novell and and um, what do you call it? Evans and and to a certain extent, Cali Rovenpera give it socks to get as many points as they could on the Sunday. So it worked. Now, is there a potential? Could it shift the 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 the, the coasting back to a Saturday, possibly in the afternoon? I don't know where they all just because they have to keep their positions to get the the points for the Friday and Saturday. So maybe it might move the problem. That's yet to be seen. I don't know. Possibly my, my own thoughts are, I think it works. I think it works. But maybe there's too many points being given. Maybe a maximum of three points instead of, you know, back to the, the seven points being issued. Maybe something like that and minimize the points a bit might help. But I, I'm not sure yet. I like that call. I'm just going to jump in quickly. Yes, it's it's something I've been thinking about myself because I've seen some corners of social media where calling for the Paris stage to be to be axed because they had got so many points, and I think that would be a big shame because I think we're all basically in agreement that the Paris stage is a concept that works. It's interesting. It adds something. It adds some flavour to the end of the rally. But yeah, twelve points is is a lot. If I look at it, and Robin Perra, who whether it was a a big price to pay for his mistake, I guess it was, but he still effectively crashed out the rally and he he walked away with it from 11 points, which is a lot. (laughs) In that situation, that's a lot to be be getting. So yeah, I think there's definitely ways that it can be perfected and honed, but I I know there's quite a lot of people that are already effectively calling for it to be scrapped and I'm definitely not putting myself in in that camp. I think, yeah, there's still things I think could be better, but it's, it's certainly interesting, and I like interesting. It makes things a bit more intriguing. As, as you effectively referred to there, Connor, there's, there's a lot of tactics now that can go into this, which I think is never a bad thing to see either. Yeah, because, like, you know, rallying's not the same as it was 30 years ago. You know, we've lost the five-day adventures, and, you know, it's, it's, as a sprint, there's, there's, you know, there's a lot more kind of nice needed now there's a lot more sort of tactics there's a lot more we mentioned it earlier skullduggery at times and one thing or another and i think it needs to be mixed up a wee bit you know sunday was becoming quite a quite a dull affair only but the power stage was the the bit of excitement so it's good to see it been mixed up and brave decisions been taken and they've said themselves that they'll revisit them if they feel they need to in a few events but we're only two events and it's a wee bit early just to be jumping jumping ship now I I think it is too early. Like I, I, somebody argued with me over the weekend that you know it was confusing for the casual viewer. It's it's no good. How are we going to attract new people to watch? But the casual viewer got their winner. They know who won the rally. The casual viewer are they really going to follow the point system for the championship? Possibly not. Like the casual viewer who who isn't into rallying doesn't quite get the concept of rallying that it's a race because they don't see two cars side by side. You know, it, it it's a difficult sport to bring somebody in who's only seeing it on a casual basis because, you know, it, it's complex compared to Formula One. Yeah, I'll be careful not to blow too much smoke in this direction. So we don't want them to get too too confident. But I think I have another great response from, from Connor. And I, I totally agree with what he said before about the, the aspect of the casual viewer effectively not 
not caring, I guess, about the championship points. Obviously, I can understand why it's become a, a talking point afterwards because we've had, effectively, from a promoter and FIA's perspective, the worst-case scenario where we've had this strange scenario with second is outscored first so early on into <laughs> the life of this system. Because, as I say, I, I genuinely don't believe it will be that common. But, yeah, I just... Realistically, watching the weekend watching it on, on TV, I think it makes more sense than if you saw the result in isolation. Like, I know there was a graphic that was saying here are the top 10 point scorers and stuff, and that looked a bit sort of odd, I guess. But when following it, I think it's fairly clear. Like, you're not sitting there thinking, right, so Elvin, he's got the most points, and that lappy won the rally. That's what the coverage is focused on. That is the story. Um, the championship points, yes, obviously they matter. There's a reason that they're all doing it for that, but that's all contextualised into a into a season. So effectively, who cares who scored the most points in what weekend? It's about who has the most points at the end of the year, isn't it? How they got that doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, that's for sure. So I think we'll wrap it up at that. So that was Season 3, Episode 11. Connor and our co-host once again, Look, really appreciate you both taking the time. Uh, if you, anybody listening, if you could please like, share, rate, subscribe, or we'll gratefully appreciate it. So until the next time, take care, speak soon, and bye.